folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're making our way through the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse as it's called, the uncovering, the unveiling to the uh, evangelist John of the eternal state, this heavenly reality. And yet at the same time as we've been moving along, this heavenly stuff seems really grounded too. We have to think of Revelation as way up there and way down the road. And yet John continues to get these visions, these visionary experiences of things that are also quite grounded and quite available to him. Uh, most specifically in the divine service, baptismal garments, the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, and so on. We're going to keep going with that here in Revelation 13 because, uh, well, as you keep going through the book, that groundedness continues as well. You remember last time in chapter 12 we had the woman and the dragon, and then Satan was thrown down to earth. Well, that's the dragon. In 13 we're going to see two different beasts, a first beast and a second beast. And if uh, I didn't mention it last time, I should mention it here, and that is we're working with an unholy trinity, beast, beast, and dragon. Dragon is kind of, uh, I guess you could say, corresponds to God the Father. And then uh, we're going to see here a land beast and a sea beast. And together we'll see uh, a kind of unholy trinity. So as the holy trinity does what the holy trinity does throughout Revelation Now we have an introduction to the unholy trinity, and we're going to see today especially a little more about uh, how this unholy trinity works. So here we go. The text of Revelation 13 is as follows. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was all allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, 
telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both slave and free, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. All righty. So there we have the text of Revelation 13. This is, as I mentioned, the unholy trinity of Revelation, dragon and then beast, beast. Uh, this second beast sometimes is called the false prophet later on in the book. We'll talk more about that. But nonetheless, this is what you got to remember. We're working with an unholy trinity. And uh, I would say the main point here, just even if you forget everything else, maybe this would be one way to do it. And that is just as the trinity has a divine service, uh, the spirit working through the word, baptism to draw people to the slain lamb who glorifies his father and so on uh so also does the unholy trinity have a divine service there are only two divine services going on and everyone is a participant in one or the other uh there's no one excluded from participating in one or the other there's no middle ground um so you might say that chapter 13 is instead of the divine service or uh, divine service of the dragon. So maybe you could say the draconic service, draconic in the, in the sense of the service that the dragon performs for those who want nothing to do with the divine service of the Holy Trinity. I'll say more about that as we go along. So here we go, the first beast. Remember last time we left off with the dragon being kicked out of heaven and going after the very things he was beaten by, right? He was beaten by. Uh, so the dragon at the end of 12, kicked out of heaven, he stands, he goes after those who hold to the testimony, the very testimony that kicked his butt. We ended with that irony. This is, by the way, is how confined the devil is. He's put in this box and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. He's on a tighter and tighter leash. He's told that his time is short. He's totally defeated. And he goes after those who hold to the testimony of Jesus, which is the very thing that defeated him. So there's comfort and assurance for all the saints here in 12. He stands on the sand of the sea. So in 13, then, I saw a beast rising out of the sea. So this is the connection between the dragon and this beast that will be explored. Now, the sea itself is also kind of, what, baptismal in other places of the book. There's a sea in the heavenly places in the heavenly uh, divine service. There's a sea in front of the throne. And the spirit's there and working with that water. So the spirit, the sea in the Bible, it can be very chaotic and means, uh, can mean chaos and death and so on. The waves of the sea crashing and the psalmist talking about sinking in the deep mire and all of this. Uh, the waves going over me, all your billows and breakers and kind of that sort of imagery. At the same time, there's also, I mean, that's the thing about baptism, right? Water kills and makes alive. And so in Revelation, water gives life, the spirit and water. But at the same time, this is the the other baptism, the anti-baptism, the pseudo-baptism, the other sea. 
There's the sea of the Holy Spirit. There's a sea of this beast, this dragon, this unholy trinity. So he comes out of the sea uh, with ten horns and seven heads, ten diadems, blasphemous names. A few things I think we mentioned a little bit last time. Uh, these horns and heads and diadems. This is a counterfeit lamb, a counterfeit son of man, a pseudo son of man. Uh, so there's this um, imitation of the true deal. Evil, by the way, this unholy trinity trinity imitates, mimics the real deal. Evil is not really a substance or a thing. Evil is a deprivation of the good. Evil is um, not original. Evil is kind of boring. I guess you could say it in that way. Uh, evil here imitating what truly is. Hey, we have we have ten horns and we have royalty. We have a name written on the forehead, right? If it's not a baptismal name, well, here's this unholy trinity with an unholy baptism and an unholy name and an unholy reign and rule. I still wonder if these horns, by the way, are horns of the altar, as in the unholy trinity also has altars. The also unholy trinity also has worshipers and altars and so on. The beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet like a bear's mouth, like a lion's mouth. So this is like a parody. This is kind of like a... What would you say? Um, a demonic parody of the created order. A twisting, a perversion. Uh, the things of creation. You notice uh, in earlier in the Revelation, what did we have? Um, the lion, the eagle, the ox, you know, this kind of, the four, the, representing the created order, the four living creatures. Uh, here we have this kind of, again, this counterfeit perverted created order the devil distorting the things of creation the animals and so on to it the dragon gave his a power his power and his throne and great authority so you get this idea of all authority in heaven and earth given from the father to the son well now we have this dragon giving his power his authority to this beast and so you're learning something about this unholy trinity. You're learning something about the other side. The authority and the power of the dragon is mediated. It uh, is exercised through something else. That alone's worth thinking about. I mean, when it's, when it's uh, what, Halloween, the devil is what? You got the red horns and the tail and all these sorts of things. The dragon, uh, Satan, this... Uh, ancient serpent and so on we were introduced to last time mediates works immediately works through this beast and we'll see this beast working through its own kind of agencies it's a very subtle thing it's not the vibrant red horns and and tail thing of halloween it's very subtle it's working through means which again the holy trinity works through means water bread wine and so on the word well, the unholy trinity works through means as well. The dragon works through these beasts, and the beast works through uh, other things as well. We'll see. One of its heads seems to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth uh, marveled as they followed the beast. In Greek, it's very clear this word is exactly this mortal wound. This uh, was slain unto death. What does that sound like? It's the counter. It's the lamb, the lamb slain. Same word for the lamb slain is what this. So there's this, the lamb slain, or there's this beast who has been, uh, has a mortal wound. A sla oh, do you need me to 
what look like I made a big sacrifice for you. Uh, a counterfeit slain lamb here. Uh, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound slain unto death. Sounds exactly like the Son of Man. Um, but it was healed. And this is exactly, I mean, you, this is totally how the things of the devil work. You do what? You kill the thing off. Uh, what? Heresies against the church? Arianism. The sun uh, was created. Oh my. Them are fighting words. We killed that off, didn't we? And yet what happens? Knock, knock, knock. Here are a couple Jehovah's Witnesses telling you the son is a child just like you and me are children, that kind of thing. That's personal experience happened to me uh, a few years ago. And so then it's like, wait a minute, I thought we killed that off, slain unto death, and here it's rearing its ugly head again. And so this is kind of, this is also how the dragon works. Uh blasphemes uh, the people of God creates heresies and so on you kill it off and then all of a sudden what happens here it is again you kill it off here it is again you kill it off here it is again seemed to have a mortal wound but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth mar the whole earth marveled at it this is the kind of if you can promise life after death the some sort of you know version of eternal life live forever take these products and you know you can overcome mortality the earth will marvel will chase it because that's at the end of the day nobody wants funerals nobody wants this kind of business caskets and so on we want to keep cruising and so if you can do that here's the dragon taking a play from the slain lamb i gotta look like right i've made a big sacrifice for you then i can offer you some sort of uh, healing after being mortally wounded. Mortality gets you down, will follow me, kind of thing. They worship the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. They worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast, who can fight against us? You see what's happening. This is, um, this is a false liturgy. This is exactly what the saints were singing earlier on in the book. Who is like the lamb, right? Who is like our God, and so on. Who is like the beast? There's a there's a pseudo liturgy. There's a counterfeit liturgy going on, um, and this is also kind of scary because what? Who can fight against it? This war, this language of fighting. I mean, it's worship stems from the power to persecute. The fact that this beast can persecute, can fight against the true church draws people to worship it you have our allegiance because you can go after the church i'll say more about that uh in a second but let's take a quick break and we'll be right back we'll be back in just a moment to the concordia bible institute podcast in the meantime i'd like to have you consider this question what is most important in higher education how do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin, is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. 
You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcast, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Folks, we are back with our study of Revelation chapter 13, this business of the unholy trinity, the first beast coming out of the sea, this mortal wound that was healed, and this false liturgy that's going on. This is exactly how the dragon works. It's very subtle. Again, the dragon imitates the holy trinity. The dragon has a service, a divine service, as it were. The dragon has mediated power working through first beast, second beast. Um, We're going to say more about this as we go along, but this is kind of how this is unfolding here. The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. It was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Remember this 42-month thing, three and a half years, a set period of time, not the full seven, three and a half, broken seven, set period of time. And, of course, there's this emphasis on speech. Uh, It was given to him a mouth speaking great and blasphemous things. It was given to him authority to to do all this for 42 months. Um, The effect of the devil working through speech, words, messages. Again, Halloween is the two, the horns, the dragon, the, the, the tail and all this. But the beast... Uh, and by extension, uh, the dragon works through speech, words, false teaching, false uh, preaching, false um, hoods, false hoods, attacks on the truth, attacks ultimately on capital T truth. When you see falsehood being spread, that is ultimately the work of the devil. The devil is the liar and the father of lies, right? Our Lord called him in John 8. This is the extension here, working through the beast to utter blasphemous words. It opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. The word for dwelling there is skene, which means tent. Um, Blasphemes God and blasphemes his dwelling, which is Christ tented in the flesh among us, and also the ones tenting in heaven. That is, um, the words go against God, the words go against Christ, the words go against Christians. So the blaspheming, the persecution through speech, uh, the slandering and so on, goes against Christians, goes against Christ, goes against God. This is primary for how the devil is working through this first beast. It's allowed to make war on the saints to conquer them. Authority was given over every tribe, people, nation, language. Again, we've seen this language um, for the Holy Trinity. Think chapter 7, for example. Well, this is, I mean, the irony is rich here because this language reminds us of the victory that the slain lamb has. And yet at the same time, this is like, wait, the unholy trinity also has a following. 
every tribe, people, nation, language. And this is like, it. it's not only uh, what, it's the, there's only two divine services going on. You have the slain lamb and you have this unholy trinity. But you also have the things of the unholy trinity's divine service reminding us of the victory of the slain lamb. Like this language, every tribe, people, nation, language, is used uh, to pray in the context of praising the slain lamb. And so even as the unholy trinity does what it does and has this following tribe, people, nation, language, it bears witness to the one uh, who defeated it. All who dwell on earth will we worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. A big point here that'll be kind of... Uh, unpacked as you go throughout the book, but there is this book of life, this emphasis on this book uh, in which is written the names uh, of those who will be saved. This isn't the situation where it's like, here's a, you know, like two books, God loves these people and hates other people. There's a book of life, book of death kind of thing. It's the emphasis on the fact that the Lord has known those whom are his from the foundation of the world Plan A salvation. We talked about this quite a bit already, and that is it's not like there was this plan and then the Lord had to come up with a plan B that involved the lamb. The lamb was plan A from the foundation of the world. And this brings this up, this kind of there's this book, and um, and you might say the unholy trinity also has a book, as it were, a preaching, and uh, and yet that does not get one in the book of life of the lamb who was slain if anyone has an ear i mean that's the counterfeit thing too is like you want security i want to i want permanence well this is the contrast here and that is the beast can't offer it uh on the other side is where that is and that is the book of the life of the lamb who was slain we'll say more about, about this book as we go along if anyone has an ear let him hear again this is a word for the church of all times and places that's what we had this in chapters two and three if anyone has an ear let him hear if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity he goes if anyone is to be slain with a sword with a sword he must be slain here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints um a rich little moment here the hupomone the endurance um, we saw this already in the beginning of the book. Um, John himself is modeling this patient endurance, and now the call is for those. I guess what would the church be tempted to do? Fight fire with fire in some ways. John in the first chapter said, I'm your brother and partner uh, in the tribulation, the kingdom, and the patient endurance. Here is this call. Is The reality is is there, and that is the devil is real. He is working through agencies. He's working through words. He's working through this beast. And uh, persecution will follow. So if anyone is taken to captive to captivity, he goes, I take that to be a kind of, we're not going to fight fire with fire here. Ultimately, the victory is ours. The battle has been won. We're in a different league entirely, as it were. And so that, changes or that affects how we participate in worldly things i mean we're gonna that doesn't mean we withdraw from all politics and so on but it's there there are going to be hits that we take on account of being christian and there is this call here to be faithful in the midst of it again that's what's victorious over this unholy trinity holding to the testimony of jesus in the midst of lies and falsehoods is exactly what gives the victory even if it's being taken to captivity 
there's an even greater captivity uh, over which we've already been victorious. And so we know how we turn out. That changes how we live in the here and now. Again, this is another one of these. We're going to have other calls for endurance uh, later on in the book. Uh, but this is this is a, a big one here, right in the midst of this. The unholy trinity is active right now. Here's a call for endurance and faithfulness in the midst of it, because by that um, testimony, as we saw last time, you will be victorious because of the Lamb. Okay, the other beast. Whoa, a big deal. I saw another beast rising out of the earth. So we got one out of the sea, one out of the earth. I mean, this is the thing about the unholy trinity. It's divine service, as it were, is going... Uh, all throughout the world. Two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Again, this is a very much like a, okay, looks like this lamb, um, and then speaks like a dragon. The emphasis on the speaking and the looking like a lamb. This is this unholy trinity business. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Again, the emphasis on worshiping the beast, the first one, and the mortal wound being healed. This is repeated. This is like, ah, you have this like Lord's Day emphasis in Revelation earlier on. Here you have like every dragon's day um, worshiping this wound. It's like this um, regularity, worshiping this beast, this dragon, worshiping the, the first beast, by extension the dragon, who gives a kind of a false permanence, false security over mortality. We'll say more about this. Here we go. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people, this flashy signs and wonders kind of thing. Hey, um, if the church can, we saw this in chapter 11, the, the witnesses, the two prophets, the, the two witnesses, um, they can even call fire down from heaven, this kind of, they can consume with fire kind of thing. Hey, if they can do it too, we can set up a false church. We can do signs and wonders. They can do fire out of the mouth. We can do fire from heaven kind of thing. And then uh, by its signs, it's allowed to work in the presence of the beast. It deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Again, all this emphasis on this, you know, uh, mortal wound that was healed, um, wounded by the sword and yet lived. Again, the emphasis on the pseudo-resurrection, this idea of life in the midst of mortality, um, live forever, or this kind of, you know, this emphasis on, on what the false trinity is promising here, how to get around or deal with mortality. Um, here's another thing, the image, and that is, does this sound familiar? The unholy trinity, this second beast, encourages a false image. Does the image sound familiar? Image of God, of course. This uh, is, a, a, you might say, a false image of what it means to be human. Image of God, well, the unholy trinity has an image as well. Um, make an image for the beast, Right? You already have an image. It's the image of God. Make an image for the beast. Refashion the image of what it means to be human. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So the, 
make a false image of what it means to be human and the beast will what will work with that will make that come alive and be in and of itself something that will be worshiped a kind of pseudo version of humanity that's the thing i mean that the unholy trinity has been defeated by this slain lamb we know this and yet the divine service for the unholy trinity they can work with that you come up with a false image of what it means to be human you attack what it means to be human um, this is an old, what is a man that you are mindful of him? Psalm 8. You go after that, and the unholy trinity can work with that. That's like prime evangelism turf right there. That's one of the greatest means of uh, of uh, witnessing the unholy trinity, the, the mission program, as it were. They can work with that. It causes all, both small and great, rich and poor. I hate that stuff that goes after even the little kids. The unholy trinity, indoctrination of a pseudo-image for humanity. It goes after even the little ones, rich and poor, slave and free, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. Uh, it sounds like Deuteronomy 6. Put these words on your in between your frontlets, on your, on your hands and so on. Let them be bound on your, in between your eyes, gates and doors and so on. So that what? So that what you do is affect... So that... Everything that you're doing, right hand, your acting hand, go to work. Let these words, Deuteronomy 6, be a kind of lens for what you do and how you see things. Again, between the eyes. I know it looks rough right now in life, but look at that struggle through the lens of the Lord's word. That's strength made power and weakness and so on. Well, same thing with the unholy trinity. There's a mark so that it looks at all of life. The unholy trinity encourages you to look at all of life through this mark. Look at it through the lens of a secular humanism. You're not worth much. You're just material. Look at what you do through secular humanism. You see the deal here? The unholy trinity has this as well. Marked on the right hand, marked on the forehead. No one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Yes, it affects even the economic realm, you could say bake-the-cake kind of stuff. Um, unless you have that mark, it's going to affect you in that way. But at the same time, I also think oh, this word, this this is a fault, this word of buying and selling, this word of buying is the same word of the, that the lamb does for his followers. He buys them. He justifies them. And so this is like a a false view of what it means to be justified no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. You can't be justified before others unless you you can't be on good terms with the world unless you buy into this, pun intended. Um, you can buy you might even say you can buy or sell to the extent that you allow your soul to be bought and sold. As in giving up on what it truly means to be human and so on. I think this is really rich, not just economic implications here, but I think also implications for what it means to be justified, what it means to be on good terms with God. You can't be on good terms with one another unless you adopt this stuff. And that's why this business of 666 is called for wisdom. Um, the number 666, I would emphasize it this way. I mean, everybody has these kinds of ideas of, hey, doesn't it mean if you add up the word Neron, Kaiser, Caesar, Kaiser, 
in Hebrew, doesn't that equal 666 and so on? I think one good way to summarize 666 is beastliness. 666 represents beastliness, the things of the beast, the ways of the beast. The word in Greek, therion, beast, even means, even adds up to 666. So there's that too. 666 is a way to say, look at the situation and and size it up for what it is and see the beastliness around you and avoid it. That's the divine service of the unholy trinity. We'll say more about that as we go along. As I say, we'll also, uh, in the next chapter, uh, get a little reminder of the holy trinity's divine service that's going on in the midst of all of that. That's the refuge that we seek in the midst of this uh, beastliness all around. We'll talk more uh, about that next time. Thanks for tuning in. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.